Let me pray over us, and then we'll begin tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can come and meet in your name. We can worship you, gather, that you can calm us, calm our fears, take away our sorrows, take away our shame, change us, and make us new. So, Father, as we sing these songs to you tonight, be glorified, and may our hearts connect with yours, and may we see you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. At the half step, one word. Thank you, Sarge. We, um, I don't need to talk to this. I'm going to give this to you. Um, we, uh, we wanted you guys to be a part of our service here tonight uh, because, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're talking about prayer and about intercession. And I know what, what I'm aware of regarding men of Nehemiah is that uh, these men have walked through some challenging times, yes, some times where maybe they have succumbed to temptation but have been on the road to recovery. And, uh, and so my, my belief is that we have a God who has been uh, very much a part of that process. And not only has he been a part of that process, he's been a part of that process with some people that are in their lives that have been interceding for them. Yes, 
And as we talked a moment ago, I was just going to let you guide us to a couple of these men that have those types of stories, that have stories of people who they knew or who they discovered later were interceding on their behalf as they were walking through those times. Stand up. Well, it's, again, it's a privilege to be here. Um, as the pastor said, that, you know, we, we seem to hook up on uh, these special occasions and uh, intercessory prayer. I'm, he was talking, it is, God, we serve uh, such an awesome God that in his perfect plan that there are in times in our lives when we can't pray or we are not in a position to pray, that in his plan he have other people praying for us, talking about our needs, praying for our needs. And, and so I've had my mother and just so many other people in my life uh, that were praying for me when I couldn't pray and talking to God about me when I couldn't talk to God myself. And so I'm so grateful then for people like my mother and, and even, uh, 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 even the, the staff at the, the men in Nehemiah that are, that are continually, um, praying for us that, that, that now I'm in a position to experience the love of God and share the love of God, uh, with others. And had it not been for those people praying for me and had it not been for God that knew that there would be a time in my life that I would need somebody praying for me because I wouldn't be in a position or I wouldn't have a mindset uh, to pray for myself. So it's been so key to my, my recovery and so key to uh, me experiencing the love of God, the, the forgiveness of God and being able to move forward in my life and, and, and see purpose. At, at 50, I'm going on 59 years old and I see purpose. And the Bible speaks about that, you know, that old men would, would have dreams. I'm having dreams of, of you know, of, of, of purpose in, in him. And I just thank God for the people that God had placed in my life, even before I was here, that God has set up to play for me when I couldn't pray for myself. And I'm so grateful to that. Wow, how do you follow that up? But our story is probably all the same, every man you see up here. Uh, I went through a dark time in my life. My mom passed away in 2013 while I was in prison. But up until that point, I was, uh, I was doing pretty bad. And I know without her prayers, she was, she was very disappointed in me, but I know that she never stopped praying for me, her and my father. You know, without their prayers... I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be standing here today. And even since being at the men of Nehemiah, I've been through struggles. You know, you never stop struggling in life. But my brothers, I know every, every one of my brothers up here have been praying for me. Sarge, the Colonel, everybody at the men of Nehemiah is great. And I know they've been praying for me. And that's, that's what's helped get me through where I've been. Thank you. I'm Sarge, and by the grace of God, I've been clean and alcohol and drug-free for 24 years now. And if it's one thing that I do know, is that prayer changes things. Not only does prayer change things, prayer changes people. And prayer comes from people. And I'm so grateful to know that I had a praying mother, and I had a praying grandmother, and I had praying family members, and Even folks like y'all who prayed for me, you didn't even know you were praying for me, but you were praying for me. And I thank you. 
Because that's the one thing a lot of times we, we, we pray for specific people, for specific things. But then there are other times when we pray for each other in general and we pray for people we don't know. And the, the miracle is, is that somewhere, someplace, somebody's being touched and the miracle is, being, is occurring because of those intercessory prayers that you're praying. So just know that you're not praying in vain. There's somebody somewhere that God is touching because of the love that's coming to him through your prayers. So I want you to know that we love you and we are truly grateful to be a part of this ministry. And may God bless you and keep you. Thank you very much. Well, I'll tell you what, between, uh, between those guys up here and these candles, that's been a challenge. Uh, but we, we made it through. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you guys very much for sharing. Uh, thank you for sharing um, so much so well that uh, I'm not sure exactly why I prepared a sermon for tonight. Um, because that is the sermon. And you guys have lived and are continuing to live the sermon and those people that are around you. So thank you for your witness. Thank you for what you're doing. And um, I wanted to share with you for a few minutes... As we uh, do at times, uh, we did this last month, uh, just as a time of uh, continued worship through prayer and music, uh, we're going to take you on a little bit of a journey through intercessory prayer. And what does that look like in Scripture? Uh, What does that look like in the life of Christ? And uh, even as we uh, sing back to God, we are singing uh, focused in on how it is uh, that he meets our needs in prayer and he is everything that we need. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, 34, it says this, Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And in Hebrews chapter 7, it speaks of Jesus in this way, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So the Son of God, you know, he... Here's, here are the disciples at one point. They're hanging out with the Son of God, with Jesus, and um, he's inviting them to just have conversation with him. And what is the one question that they ask him? They want to know, how do, how do we pray? And he not only teaches them through a prayer that he gives them, but he teaches them with his life. I think it's interesting in pretty deep theologically, I would say, for us to consider that whole idea of Jesus praying. Because, you know, in John chapter 10 and also in John 21, uh, Jesus speaks about how he and the Father are one. And so if he and the Father are one, and yet he is the Son of God, and uh, he is uh, also, Jesus is also God, then I could see where someone might come up with the question of, well, why in the world did Jesus pray? Did he have to to pray? The truth is, he does pray pray even now that he did when he was here on earth and he continually does. And I believe a large part of that was to set for us an example of how we are to connect with our father. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, 
It says these words, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is giving them another example yet again of the fact that he is praying for them. In this particular verse, he's praying for Peter. He's praying for Peter as he is in the midst of great temptation. And I think it's interesting that not only is he praying for Peter, knowing that Peter is walking through this temptation, but he's praying for him in such a way that he's saying, listen, Peter, I see you on the other side. I see you on the other side when you will be strengthened to the point that you are strengthening others with the words that are coming out of your mouth, with the actions that are coming out of your life. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, again, on this road to the cross, here's what Jesus prays. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is doing what here? He's praying for his enemies, for those who do not love God, for those who are nailing him to a cross. And I would say that this is one of the most powerful examples in Scripture of really not expecting those who don't know God to act like they do. I think sometimes we do that, right? We, we, we kind of get so frustrated with the world. And in the back of our mind, it's just so important for us to allow God to penetrate our thoughts with, yes, but if they don't know Jesus, that's how they're going to act. If they don't know Jesus, that's how they're going to live. Those are the choices they are going to make. And with Jesus, as they were nailing him to the cross, what was his expectation level? It was, hey, you know what? I am going to go to God in prayer on their behalf because they don't know what they're doing because they are so very blinded to the truth. Jesus praying for his enemies. Then in John 17, verse 20, Jesus says these words, I do not ask for these only. He was just praying for his disciples at that moment, but then he takes it a step further and he goes beyond just the 12. He goes beyond just those who have been doing life with him for those three plus years. And he says, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. What's Jesus been doing here? He was praying for his disciples, but he takes it a step further. In these particular verses, he starts to pray for you. And he's praying for me. He's praying for future disciples that we will be what? That we will be unified. That we will show others the Father's love. And so at this moment, I just want us to take a moment and thank God for sending his son Jesus. To give us an example of prayer. To give us an example of how to live. To how to reconnect with God. Will you do that with me? Let's just pray. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Thank you, God, for setting us up with an example that is the ultimate example. God, we know that you could have done it a variety of different ways that you guys could have connected in in ways that did not show your son, Jesus, speaking to you verbally in front of disciples, inside of this word. God, it could have happened a variety of different ways, but God, you chose to allow a form of communication 
between the Godhead to occur in this communication pattern that we understand as prayer. And so God, we thank you for that example. We believe that example is there because it's so very important for us as well. You've been so good to us. We thank you. We are so thankful for Jesus. We just say to Jesus right now, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being my example. Thank you for being who you are, Jesus, in my life, in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So um, several months ago, I was on the phone. It was something to do with uh, the medical medical services. I don't know whether I was on the phone with a doctor. I forget what it was. Insurance, something. You know, one of those conversations that you just get so excited about having, you're just like, oh man, I love talking about insurance. And so, um, you know, I, I call and, uh, and I'm put on hold, which I don't know if you ever dealt with that before, but you know, I was put on hold. And then, um, and then finally a person came on and they said, oh no, we need to get you some other person. So they put me on hold again. So I was on hold for a while, and, you know, fortunately now with technology, you know, you can just kind of lay your phone, put the speaker thing on, just kind of let it sit there, wait for the music to go for a while. And after several minutes, finally, somebody comes on, and I, I say, listen, this is what I need. And they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We need to give you another number. <laughs> yes, I love this. And so they give me another number, and then I talk to this one person, and they're like, no, we need to put you on hold. And I'm like, oh, I've done this before. I know how this works. And so uh, finally, after about 15, 20 minutes, you know, I, I finally got my question answered. Well, um, that, that, that's, that's, that's one example, you know, being on the phone, how crazy that can be. Okay, so this past week I got back from children's camp. Um, and um, uh, while I was at children's camp, on the way to children's camp, actually, uh, I, was, I was going there to speak. And I had a, a need for a large cardboard box. And so, as a matter of fact, I did a little bit of a different, same thing that we did with you a while back. When I put you in that cardboard box a long time ago, remember that? That was awesome. That was awesome. I wish I had video of that. And so, uh, so we put a kid in a cardboard box. But before I got to that point, I had researched to find out um, where I could possibly buy a large cardboard box. I thought I would just buy it when I get there. And so, sure enough, there was a U-Haul that was just 10 miles from the camp. And the camp was about an hour and a half or so away. And so I went ahead and drove straight to that U-Haul, which is only about 10, 10 minutes from the camp. And uh, I walked in and asked them, could, uh, I, w- I want to buy a box. And the guy looked at me across the counter and said, well, we don't sell boxes. I said, well, no, this is a, a U-Haul. Yes, but we don't sell boxes. Oh. Um, well, do you know who sells boxes around here? Uh, nobody sells boxes in this town. Are you telling me this is a box-free town? Yes, nobody sells boxes here. You cannot buy a box here. Great. I love that answer. Um, And so I went to Dollar General and found them emptying something, and I took their box, and it worked out great. Um, So, yes, I couldn't buy a box there, but I could just take one that was used. Um, You know, sometimes the service industry is amazing, and sometimes it's like you just hit a brick wall. You know, whether you're trying to get an answer on the phone or whether you are trying to purchase something and it's just not happening, right? And I've got good news for you. In this whole concept that we're talking about tonight regarding intercession, you know, God's not interested in putting us on hold. Matter of fact, he's also telling us you have dialed the right number and, and I have what you need. And that is good news. It's such good news. It is worth us coming back to him over and over and over and over again. Interceding for who? Uh, For what purposes? 
Um, just to guide you through a couple of thoughts here, one of the ways that we see intercession occurring in Scripture is actually those who are interceding for those who don't know God. Um, if we go all the way back to Genesis, we find in Genesis 18 these words. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. And then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? So even in the Old Testament, in the very first book that we read, we find a follower of God interceding on behalf of those in the city. And I love what you shared a minute ago, how you know, it's, it's not necessarily even that Abraham knew all the names of everybody in the city, right? He didn't. Uh, but he was interceding for certainly his family who were there, but also that God would spare the city because of who was left. You move to the New Testament, and it's in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, that Paul is recounting what happened with him on the road to Damascus when his name went from Saul to Paul, when he went from torturing and imprisoning Christians to actually speaking the love of God and encouraging believers. And he says, this is what happened. He said, listen, this is what God said. He said, I'm going to open their eyes, Paul, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul is recounting his testimony his conversion, and he's letting King Agrippa know at this moment that his mission is to what? To partner with God as God has invited him to do so, to help people find forgiveness and freedom and salvation that comes by faith in Jesus. Sometimes that mission begins by God giving us a vision to reach people that we don't even know yet. Sometimes it comes with a vision for a very specific person. In the testimonies that you heard tonight, it was about a very specific person. It was a specific son. It was a specific grandson. So I would guess that in a crowd this size, there are several of us in the room who would go, you know what, there's, there's somebody in my family who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't experienced his love, who hasn't experienced his forgiveness and grace. And I would say that... Um, in a crowd this size, you've maybe tried a lot of different things. Uh, persuasion. Uh, maybe you've walked through a lot of different feelings. Um, I've, I wrote down a couple of thoughts here. Um, maybe we blame ourselves. Um, maybe we end up uh, creating unrealistic expectations of what we want them to do or be or say. Um, maybe we are too embarrassed to actually invite other people into the struggle with us. And so we keep it so tight, so tight, cards close to the chest. Uh, maybe we stop worshiping or praying or serving, or maybe even our faith in God starts to fall away to some degree. And what I would encourage you tonight, and I know maybe you weren't coming prepared to hear this, but I just wanted to encourage you that we have a God who invites us to talk to him about it. And maybe it's been a while. Maybe it was just this morning. But I'm going to encourage us all to take a few minutes in just a moment to pray. There's actually a, um, 
a little uh, plastic sheet, stick clingy, clingy sheet that was put on your worship program when you came in tonight. And what we're doing tonight and in the services tomorrow is uh, writing down names. It could be a name. It could be just initials. Uh, however you want that to be of somebody that you are going to be pray- that you have been that you are praying for that would come to Christ and then there are windows all along the wall there on the hallway as you exit and we just encourage you to take that clingy little piece of plastic and stick it on that window with the, that name or those initials or however you want to identify that person that you're praying for Uh, Our elders are going to be here this week praying over those names. Our staff will be walking the hall praying for those names. People will be walking through the halls tomorrow morning uh, praying, and they'll be encouraged just to see all of those names that were already placed on the glass just from tonight. I would encourage you as we do that um, to pray and think about maybe not only somebody who's an immediate family member, but just somebody who you know that needs Jesus. And we've got a list up on the screen. Uh, Maybe it's uh, a a relative that lives close to you or far away. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend. Maybe it's a boss or a coworker, a teacher, an administrator, a coach. Um, Maybe it's a teammate for those of you who are here in middle school, high school, elementary school, you're on a team and you know that there's somebody there that just doesn't know Jesus yet. And you would say, yeah, I, I I can write that name. We've got markers that are on the tables outside. So as you leave, leave tonight, we're just going to ask that you stop by one of those tables, write that name with a marker, and then stick it on the glass. But before we get to that point, we're just going to do what we've been talking about, and we're going to pray for them. So will you just bow your head with me for a moment? Maybe you would just say, God, I come to you on behalf of, and then say their name. Who is it that God has placed in your mind right now that so very much needs to be moved from not just a creation of God's, but an adopted son or daughter of his? As you pray, will you ask God to, God, what do you want me to do? Is there something you want me to do to take a step in their direction? Maybe part of this prayer is just saying, God, give me courage to do whatever it is that you place in my heart. God, we know you love these people so much more than we do. And so God, all around this room, we have been interceding on their behalf, praying that they might find you. God, we know that you left heaven and came all the way down to us. That Jesus came all the way down. 
And now all we have to do is receive. God, we are praying that those that you have placed in our minds right now would just receive that gift of salvation. So it's not just the loss that we're praying for as we intercede for people, but it's also those who do know Jesus. And it's also, you know, as we, as we read here, you know, in, in Lamentations 2.19, it says, Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night, watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children. What a powerful, powerful verse. I know some of our children know Jesus and some of them don't yet. Um, but I think one of the questions that you might have, and I know there are great books that have been written out there to kind of help guide our thoughts in this way, but what are some prayers that we can be praying for our children? Um, specifically, obviously, as we pray for their salvation, as we pray for their protected heart, as we pray that their heart would be guarded, right? That it would overflow, wellspring. God, uh, we, that we would pray for their future spouses, what about some of the challenges that they face in our world today? You know, our kids face a lot of different challenges. One, they, they face uh, uh, building maybe an American dream for themselves as opposed to looking at what God's dream would be for them. Uh, maybe that they would uh, be rescued and saved from bullying that is occurring in schools even as school systems start in just a few short weeks. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a laser-like focus at how God has created them and understanding that and, 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 and seeing that God created them special and unique and that they don't have to be afraid of, 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 of any conversations in that regard because, you know, they don't have to be uh, confused regarding gender. They don't have to be confused regarding so many of the things that our society thrust on them that God created them special and unique and that they can understand that, that we would pray that their hearts would understand, that we would pray that they would have a Christian worldview about mission, about this world, about what their life is called to. Well, also in Ephesians 1, 16, it says, I do not cease, Paul writes, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the Lord, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glories, glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So in the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's telling them up front, this is what I'm praying for you. He does it again in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. We find in Acts, as the church is praying for Peter, it says in Acts 12, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. God places believers in our lives so that we can intercede on behalf of each other. And these letters, in both Acts and in the letters that Paul write, writes, they give some very clear examples of what we're called to pray for other people about. Maybe it's, as he wrote, a deeper knowledge of the Father, that our eyes would be open to his heart, that we would be focused in on the prize, that, our, that, that we would have a laser focus on what God has called us to do. 
That we would rely on God's power, that we would love more deeply, that we would live lives of holiness and righteousness. You see, all of that is wrapped up in just those two small prayers that I just read from Paul. Here's a prayer that I read this week from one of the mission organization websites that we support. It's, uh, it's from a missionary in East Africa. His name is Jonathan, and he writes this. Last time we wrote, we were high and dry with water problems, needing creativity for simple everyday tasks. Thank you for your prayers. We have had water consistently for about a month. So that is such an answer to prayer. I know as we were in Cuba earlier this year, we were, uh, we were in a unique opportunity to meet a pastor that is planting lots of churches. And as we sat down with him in his house, one of his concerns was just, uh, wow, what, what to do and how to disciple and how to train the youth that are there. But his heart was just that more and more youth would continue to be reached by their church because there's so many youth in their community and they believed whatever they were doing, God could do an even greater work and ask for us to be praying. And so here's, here's an answer. We had an email from Johnny recently, and here's what he wrote. He said, well, our numbers are still growing. In our last event, we were hoping for 250. Over 450 showed up. You know, God does, in fact, answer prayers. And he does, in fact, call us to intercede on behalf of those that we do small group with, that we do life with, but also for missionaries that are on the other side of the world. So I'm going to invite us to pray at this time. And there's another list that's on the screen again. And again, it's about believers that you know that are family members and friends and missionaries and pastors and teachers and administrators and coaches and neighbors. What is it that God just placed on your heart to pray for regarding somebody in that category? Will you go to God with me at this time? Father, we are praying right now for a variety of different names that just came on to the screen for us. Individually, God, there are so many people represented in this room with a lot of different needs. And so, God, we're just going to be silent for a moment as you zero in our thoughts on somebody right now that you want us to intercede for right now in this moment. So we're about to go into communion, but before we close out the service, there's a couple of other places that God in Scripture uh, shows us examples of how to intercede. Uh, one of them has to do with just our current leaders. And you know, in 1 Timothy 2, it says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Um, what, what is he saying there? He's saying, hey, I, I want you to talk to me about who's in charge. And um, for some, as we pray, it might be that we ask that God would bring salvation to them, right? If you are aware, or maybe even if you're not, as we just kind of come to God and say, God, on behalf of our leaders, we pray that they might be saved that they might have boldness and courage to step out in their convictions if they do know you, that they would have a deeper love for you. Um, we've got a list of current leaders that are on the screen. Um, everybody from our president all the way down to our lieutenant governor and those who are running for president, you know, uh, this week was the first debate, right? And there will be n a number of others. But I, I hope that what those do is each time one of those debates pops up, it just prompts us Yes, I need to pray for all of those men and women.
that whoever is chosen for the next president of our country, that, that, that I would be interceding on that person's behalf long before they ever stepped into that office, right? Um, praying for those people. And then also, um, God's word also has us praying regarding just current events. You know, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, um, we find him praying and it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What was it that Nehemiah had just heard? He had heard that the condition, right, at the wall was awful, that the, that the walls had not been completely rebuilt. We talked about that several weeks ago, that there was great need there, that the people were not safe and his heart was broken and he was interceding on the current events of what was happening in his time and talking to God praying, weeping for that. We've got a list, and this is certainly not comprehensive, but whether it's ISIS and Al-Qaeda and what's going on around the globe with that, uh, the issues that have come up recently with Planned Parenthood and those that are on the forefront right now uh, fighting to, to stop funding and do whatever it is that we can to fight for those that are unborn, uh, our relations with Iran and all that's happening there, violence and insecurity in Sudan. There's, there's a lot going on in that country right now. Race relations. I mean, we, the, the list can just go on and on in our country and in other countries. But, you know, that list is great, but we can take all of those to God, right? We can take all of those and all of our leaders to him and speak to him about those. So I'm going to invite you to do that. And as we close, uh, the communion is here. And as you pr- prepare and ready your heart, feel free to take communion um, and also to be in prayer about those items, those things. And Armstrong is going to be leading. The band's going to be playing, be singing. Um, but as we do, whether you sing, whether you take communion, whether you pray for those things, as we enter in and conclude this time, may it be a time of truly interceding. And as we do that, and as we take communion, that we intercede with a grateful heart for Jesus who made it possible for us to come to God. Thank you, Father, again, for sending Jesus. And even as one of those events may have stuck in our mind as something that we could talk to you about, God, we come to you right now saying thank you that we can talk to you about anything at all because of Jesus. So what we started with, God, we end with, that it really is all because of him that we have access to you. We are so thankful, God. And with that grateful heart, we come to you now in communion as we pray, as we intercede, as we give thanks, as we conclude our time together. In Jesus' name.